You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. What if I told you today that you could live a victorious Christian life? You can, and matter of fact, should be an overcomer. Uh, I know that's a message that you hear from me a lot, but I want to remind you of the reason that I can make such a promise to you that that is something that is true for each of your life, each of your lives. And it's not uh, about uh, who you are, it's about who you know. It's not about where you live, it's about who lives in you. And uh, so we're going to preach a little bit out of Romans chapter 8, and I want to try to get to the emphasis of uh, power for living. Power for living. When we speak about power, when the Bible speaks about, about power, we obviously think of ability. We think of ability. Uh, the strength that we need in order to accomplish a certain task. Well, we indeed do have that power. There's uh, a place where the Bible talks about how the gospel is the power of God and power is used, uh, and it's the word dunamis, and that's where we get our term dynamite from. That's the kind of power that accomplishes something, that, that, uh, that, that power that's in action, that power that's in motion. And so we have that kind of power for living. We think about strength. We think about sustenance. We think about having what it takes to accomplish a given task, and we think about strength think about sustenance, but there's another application to uh, power. Not only is there ability or authority or ability, but there's also authority. When the Bible says, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. That speaks of authority. We have authority for a living. We have power. In other words, we too often, one of, the, one of the worst things I believe about our society is a victim mentality. And we live, if we're not careful, we let that mentality come into the church. In other words, we're victims. You know, well, I am like I am because I'm a victim of my circumstances. I'm a victim of society. I'm a victim of somebody else's words or actions toward me. Uh, And therefore, I cannot be an overcomer. Therefore, I can't be a conqueror. Someone else. And we we, we give all these other people authority in our lives, but we are the ones with the authority. we do not have to give up that authority to other people. Uh, and, and so we have power. There's power for living. And that power we find in Romans chapter number 8 as well as many other places in the Bible. Look, at, look with me, if you will, beginning in verse 5 of Romans 8. The Bible says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit of God the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. And I just want to pause right there to say that that's one of the places that we went when we, uh, when we studied about Isaac and how, that, how he was deceived by Jacob because he was going by his feeling. He was going. He was a, a good picture of someone that is carnal rather than spiritual. Uh, and therefore, he was deceived. Uh, but a couple of things these verses have to say about what it means to be carnally minded versus spiritually minded. Verses 1 through 5, I just want to go over them quickly. Number one, he describes and contrasts those that are in the flesh versus those that are in the Spirit. He contrasts Kind of the results of that, to be in the flesh is death, to be in the Spirit is life. 
He, he also contrasts war with God versus peace with God. It says that the flesh is enmity with God. And then also, verse number 8, between pleasing self and pleasing God. The carnal nature wants to please self, but our spiritual side wants to please God. The root of sin is selfishness. Uh, and beware of the I wills versus thy will. Uh, uh, I will versus thy will be done. Too often it's about us. Um, But we move on from that to focus on something else. In verse 9, the emphasis of this whole chapter, chapter number 7 talks about the struggles of the flesh. And and repeatedly in chapter number 7, he uses words like I and me and all these personal pronouns um, and In this chapter, the focus is not on me and on myself and on my ability. This chapter is focused on the source of our power for living, and that is the Holy Spirit of God. Notice what the Bible says in verse 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you... The body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Verse 11, But the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. Let's continue to read down to verse uh, 17. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh, For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye shall through the Spirit, if if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. I'll go ahead and read verse number 18 just to introduce you to uh, where we're going next uh, in Romans 8. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. I'm not going to preach that last verse, but since I'm not going to get to it today, I want to uh, just say one thing about it. A lot of us need to start reckoning a little bit, don't we? Because I read that verse again. He says, I reckon. In other words, I take into account. I count some things. I look at some things. I look at the facts. I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. But let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, please help us as we uh, try to preach Your Word, dear God. I pray You'll speak through me. Uh, I pray You'll speak to each and every heart that's here today. If there's anyone that's not saved, God, how I pray that the sweet Holy Spirit of God would do a work of conviction and reveal to those who are not saved that they need to be saved today. And for those of us that are saved, God, each of us have the power, God, to live the life that You'd have us to live, God, through the power of the person of the Holy Spirit of God, the power, the truth of the Word of God. And I just pray that You'll help us to uh, realize that today in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. 
Amen. Uh, He says, if you're saved by God's grace, the difference, the secret, the way that we're going to live this life, this chapter wraps up with a pretty famous verse that says we're more than conquerors through Him that loved us. But the way that's going to happen is through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Acts chapter number uh, 1, verse 8, gives us the promise of the Spirit. And it's, it's repeated in the, uh, in, in the close of the Gospels as the Great Commission. But in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said, You shall receive what? Power. Power. After the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Judea and Samaria and in Jerusalem. I didn't get that right. Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And we'll get to that part later. But Jesus promises. He promises that the Spirit of God will come upon you. The Spirit of God. Jesus gave the promise. And after, uh, after some days there of praying in the upper room, the promise became manifest in the power of God as the Holy Spirit of God came upon and within uh, those disciples, those 120 that were gathered there on that day. And then that power transformed into performance. In other words, it made a difference in the way they lived their lives. And folks, that's really where where it's really at. God wants us to live a life of victory. He wants us to live a life that's different than the life uh, that we would live otherwise. Now, this does not hinge upon us, but it hinges upon the Spirit of God. You think about this. You go back into the Gospels, and man, if you want to read about a group of characters, read about the Apostles. Read about the disciples. Read about Peter. Read about self-willed Peter. I mean, read about this man. This read about these proud brothers, James and John. We read the writings of of, of John the Beloved, and we think, oh man, he was such a tender-hearted, compassionate, uh, you know, just a, a pliable kind of guy. Go read back. He's the same guy that when he went into a city and they didn't hear the gospel, they didn't receive the gospel, they didn't receive Christ, that he said, Lord, can we just pray fire down on these people? That man later became the apostle of love. That man that was so willful and proud and opened up his mouth and one minute was up, the other minute he was going fishing and and, and leaving the ministry, that man was transformed into the main, to, to the main apostle uh, that began to be the leader among them all. He became steady. He became what Jesus dubbed him the rock. Peter. Because before, he was not Peter. He was not the rock. He was Simon. He was that old name. But he was transformed into to what God would have him to be, the steady rock Why? What made a difference? These men, they were all arguably timid. Uh, Why do we say that? And and scared because when Jesus came to them, the Bible clearly says that they were hiding from the Jews. They were fearful because Jesus had just been killed and they knew if they could just kill Jesus, these bunch of fishermen and and, and so forth are just going to spread abroad and this movement is over. But what they were not counting on was the power of the Holy Spirit of God, uh, the the, the person of Jesus Christ in the Spirit of God coming living in their hearts and lives, transforming them. 
And so that is what makes the difference. Uh, What does he say here? You're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If the Spirit of God dwells in you, the evidence of conversion is the presence of the Holy Spirit of God within. Uh, But not only is it the evidence of conversion, but I'm telling you, it's the power for the way that we're going to live our lives. Uh, If you are saved by God's grace, are you saved? If you're saved, the Holy Spirit, this power abides in you. This power abides in you in the person of the Holy Spirit of God if you are saved. I want to tell you something today. Salvation is not about, uh, is no more about us trying uh, than it is for us to be saved by trying. It's not us being good enough by our good works to be saved. It's not about us being good enough and, and, and doing whatever it is that God would have us to do in the strength of our own flesh and power and wisdom and intellect. Uh, it, it is all about God doing that work. So if you're saved, the Holy Spirit of God resides in you. I like what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 through 20. The Bible says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost of God? I mean, God Almighty, we are temples. The Holy Ghost of God dwells within inside of us. And which is an amazing thing. And I've, I've said this before, but if you think about the progression, it's just an amazing thing. In the very beginning, uh, God came and walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. He walked with them. Of course, we know sin interrupted that relationship and they no longer had that walk. Uh, some, some years went by and, and you read and other people walked with God. Noah walked with God. Enoch walked with God. Uh, but then finally God says, you know what? I enjoy walking with you, but I'm not just content to walk with you. You know what? I'd like to live. I'd like to live in your neighborhood. I'd like to live with you. And so God says, I want you to build a tabernacle. And I'm going to come dwell among you. And I want your, to your tents to encircle this. And I want to be the center of your life. I'm going to come dwell among you. Well, you know history. If you know Bible history, you know sin interrupted that relationship. God's presence had to be lifted because they chose uh, other idols. I've, I've just, I'm just finishing up, or just finished up the book of Joshua not too long ago. We think that there's a great pronouncement uh, that's probably the most famous quote out of the book of Joshua. What do you think it is? It's on homes. Uh, oftentimes I've seen it from the time that I was a kid. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's a great statement, isn't it? Isn't it? And it is. But there's some disturbing things going on in that conversation. Joshua said, choose you this day whom you will serve. He said, will you serve the gods that are among you? And I just had to stop right there when I was reading through that a week or so ago and I thought, wait a second. What are these gods doing among these people still? What are these gods doing among these people? Because we know ultimately these people chose to serve and worship other gods. But God said, that's okay. You know what? I'm not done uh, going for you. I'm I'm not done pursuing mankind. So finally He says, you know what? I am going to come down in the form of man. And I'm going to walk with you on this earth. You can feel me, touch me, see me, hear me. Uh, And Jesus Christ came. What did man do? But crucify Him. 
and killed the very Son of God. Of course, we know He gave His life. But that was man's will toward, as far as their will toward Him, it was God's will that He offer His life. But that was man's attitude toward God. But think about the greatness of God. Now the Lord says, Whosoever will, if you'll call on My name, I, I won't just come and walk with you from time to time. I won't just live down the street. I, I won't just walk with you. I'm going to come live inside of you. I'm going to come live inside of you. And so, uh, what the Bible is telling us is this, through the power of the Holy Spirit of God working in us, that's what makes all the difference in our lives. And so, uh, but, but you, you look at verse number 12 with me if you would. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. We have a new law that liberates us from sin. We have a new Lord in the Spirit of God, but there should be a new life that follows. We, we started this chapter off by looking at there's no condemnation. Now it's telling us there's no obligation. In other words, we have no obligation to our old nature. No obligation to sin. No obligation to failure. And I say that, you said, of course we don't. But sometimes we act like we do. Sometimes our attitudes, our lives behave as if we're obligated to fail. Oh, I've been failing for years and we could call it different things, whether it's, whether it's a lack of faith, whether it's a, a, a temptation, a pet sin, whatever it might be, whether it's unforgiveness or anxiety or anger or fear or whatever it may be, we say to ourselves, no, I'm, 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 we basically say, I'm obligated to this. I, I'm, 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 my predisposition is toward this. And if you look at my family, my family's always been like this. My dad was angry, I'm angry. Uh, you know, I'm going to be. My, my mom was a worrier, I'm going to be a worrier. My kids are going to be worriers because that's just the way it is. We, we behave as if we're obligated. I've got such a strong desire that to, 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 to yield to this sin, to this temptation, whatever it may be. I, I'm just obligated. I, can't, I just can't help myself. Other people may be able to help themselves. Boy, you, you, these other Christians, they're a lot stronger than I am. They've got more faith than I have. No, those are just excuses. Listen, all they, all they have done is they've yielded to the working of the Spirit of God. So we have no obligation. We are not debtors to the flesh. We don't owe the flesh anything. We don't owe sin anything. And so uh, throughout this chapter, that this monumental chapter, it talks to us about our sonship and our security that's provided and how He provides it. See, uh, as we think about the victory that we have in Him, uh, it's, it's all through, first of all, notice what it says here in verse number 11. But if the spirit of, spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are not debtors to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. This is pretty interesting right here. This is very interesting. How is it that we're going to live? Now I want to say that a part of this is speaking about our future resurrection. But I'll tell you, there's another part of it that's talking about our daily resurrection. If we... See, the Bible repeatedly says this. It says it in the book of Ephesians. The way we... The, the Spirit of God that lives within us is the same Spirit that raised up Jesus from the grave. Same Spirit. 
But let me ask you something. What has to happen before there can be a resurrection? There has to be a death. There has to be a death before there's a resurrection. You know what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 31? It's a very simple statement, but it's very powerful. And he said this, I die daily. I die daily. That's what he's saying here, uh, what God's telling us in verse 13. That through the Spirit mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Isn't that an interesting way to say it? If you die, ye shall live. If you mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Paul says, I die daily so that I may live. And so the way we are going to have this life is we've got to begin to die to this old flesh. Die to the old nature. And the way we do that is say, Lord, not my will, but Thine be done. Sure, this is what I want to do, but God, what do You want me to do? Lord, I am not letting my old nature call the shots anymore. But God, I can't do that in and of myself. And the Bible says, as many, verse 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Listen to this. As many as are led by the Spirit of God. I want you to understand something. That's voluntary. That's the idea beside that being led by the Spirit of God. It's a willing leading. It's a a, a saying, Lord, where You lead me, I will follow. And what You feed me, I will swallow. Amen? God, I am going Your way. I am doing Your will. Lord, and, and here's the thing. It's not about me. I know I can't do it in and of myself. Therefore, Lord, I'm saying I'm dying to You. I know that, 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 that within me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. I know that I'm just a sinner. I know that I'm weak. But Lord, I know You're strong. And God, yes, the, the, the power of sin working in my life seems so strong. But I'm telling you, we need to learn to die daily, to mortify the deeds of our flesh. Whenever whenever that sin begins to pop up in our mind, whenever that temptation to go our own way arises, we need to catch it right there and say, Dear God, help me. Lord, forgive me for letting my thoughts, my attitude, my actions go in that way. God, I confess it right now as sin. And Lord, I want You to help me die to that. And Lord, with Your help and grace, I'm going to please You today. With Your help and grace, Lord, I'm going to be honest today. With Your help and grace, Lord, I'm going to be, uh, I'm, I'm going to be a person that has faith today. I'm going to trust You today. I'm going to trust You today. I'm going to believe You today. And, and by the way, the, the, the way that this is going to happen, one of the things that we miss is ourselves getting along with God. Finding a time, someplace, somewhere to get along with God every day. The morning's a really good time. And I'm not saying you've got to set aside tons of time. But I'm telling you, oftentimes the very first thing when I, I say when, when I get up out of bed in the morning, I, I quote out of John 15 and I say, Lord, without You, I can do nothing. Lord, please help me today. Without You, I can do nothing. And, and right away, I'm trying to set my attitude, set the tone. Dear Lord, help us today. And I begin to pray for my family. Uh, and, and I begin to yield to the, to the Spirit of God. Take time to let God search your heart. Be in the Word. Find a way to get in the Word. I mean, the, the, the secret to, to this power being real in our lives, it takes a little, a little effort on our parts, but I'm telling you, it's just a little effort. I mean, take some time to open up your heart, clear your mind, and think about the Lord. 
Maybe, maybe instead of in the morning, first thing you turn it on, some kind of secular music or even news or anything else, maybe take time for it to be quiet. Maybe take time to, to turn on some Scripture and listen to the Scripture or read the Scripture. I mean, take some time to feed and strengthen that spiritual man. Take some time. Listen, it's, it, somebody said this way, one of, the, one of the best ways to die to the old man is to starve it to death. That's good. Amen. <laughs> one of the best ways to die to that old attitude, or those old attitudes is to starve it to death. So whether that, whether that means not filling my mind and ears and eyes with junk all the time, whether that means not just letting myself dwell on the negative all the time, Amen. Uh, I'm going to catch, okay Lord, I'm gonna, with your help, God this is taking me to a bad place. I'm starting to feel anxious. Amen. That's good. I'm starting to feel like I don't have control. God, you're going to have to help me right here. Uh, and, and we mortify the deeds of the flesh. We, we, we acknowledge our need for Him. And so, and the cool thing is, as I talked about the authority, that comes through the power of sonship. He is our Father. The Bible says that He's given us the, the spirit of adoption. Notice what the Bible says here in, I'll start in verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. They're the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. Isn't it funny? The very first thing he talks about is fear. But ye have received the spirit of adoption. I'll just tell you quickly what that term adoption means in the Bible. Uh, the term adoption in the Bible... See, we are all born again into the family of God. You must be born again, right? If you're going to be saved. If you're not born again, you'll not see the kingdom of God. But if you're born again, you are in the family of God. You are a child of God. But not only does he not only are we born into the family of God, but this would have had a special meaning to the people of this time especially. You know why? Because a child, a child could be born into a very wealthy and prestigious home. But guess what? That child has no rights. That child has no rights to that wealth until they become full grown. Or at least to an age that's considered an age of maturity. That child has no authority, has no power. They have a lot of privilege, but they don't really have a lot in the way of authority. But adoption. See, if you study the Roman Empire, and one of the greatest gifts in the Roman Empire that could ever be given is Roman citizenship. And a Roman, it was not uncommon, and as a matter of fact, there's some famous stories about. Uh, uh, Roman citizens, prestigious, wealthy Roman uh, citizens adopting an, another full-grown man or woman. And their adoption made them citizens. And so the adoption, once a person is adopted, that gives them all the rights, all the rights of a full-grown son. So here's one of the great things about this thing of adoption. You may have just got saved last week. You don't have to wait around until you grow up to be some great spiritual person before you can start accessing uh, the promises of God. You are say, you are born again, you're born in the family of God, then you're adopted into the family of God, which is to say this, right now, you have it all. The Bible says, look what it says there. It says that we are heirs. Notice it says, verse 17, and if children, then heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Joint heirs with Christ. What does that mean? It means what's Christ is mine. And what's mine is Christ. That may not be quite as exciting, amen? Uh, for, oh, but Because but, I get the better end of that deal, don't I? Amen. 
Amen. You know, forgive me for using these people from time to time. I'll use somebody I don't use as often. I'll use Jeff Bezos today, the, the Amazon guy. Isn't the Amazon guy? And, uh, uh, but just a multi-billionaire. I get, I, 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 after church today, I, I check my answering machine. Or answering machine. How old am I? I check my voicemail. <laughs> And I say, uh, I, I, I check my voicemail, and, and it's Jeff Bezos. And he says, hey, Jesse. He said, this is Jeff. He said, hey, I had my guys sit down together. And he says, I was going to see if we could come into a partnership. And I was hoping that maybe we could pull our resources. We could pull our resources together. Okay. I, sounds good to me. You have your billions and I have my whatever I have. Sure, let's pull them together. Amen. What's mine is yours. What's yours is mine. Amen. And, uh, and th- that, but how much greater is this? That's what God's saying right here. It's the Lord is saying in, in adoption, He's saying, hey, uh, uh, Chad, I, I got a proposition for you. I was wondering, how would you feel about pulling our resources together? How'd you feel about that? And here we are, we're thinking, okay, let's see, what, what do I have exactly? Okay, uh, well, I've got a bunch of weakness. Uh, I've got a bunch of sin laying around over here. Um, you know, I, I've, I've got some failure back over here. Okay, Lord, I'm putting mine in. God says, that's fine, I'll take it. And now here, you take this. You take this. That's what this adoption is. God said, it's yours. It's yours. It's yours. If you are born again, it's yours. This life is yours to live. You just have to, by faith, accept this life. Just like you accept Christ, accepted Christ as your Savior to be saved, we must sometimes almost daily accept this life. Surrender to Him. Say, God, not my will, but Thine be done. I trust You. And, 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 and one of the great things is, and I skipped over it, The last part of verse number uh, 15 says what? By the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Father is, is of course, a a, a term that we're familiar with, but Abba there is the Aramaic for Papa. It is very informal. It's just really, really intimate and very close. Daddy, Papa. The Spirit of God moving into my heart's and, and, and the type of relationship I can have with the Creator of the whole universe is Papa, Daddy. Well, I tell you, there's not, there's not, I can't think of too much I would deny my children. And it'd be one thing if they come up with a big formal request, uh, Father, I need blah, 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 blah. <laughs> but it's another thing if they were just to hop up on my lap, put their arms around my neck. Are you listening, Evan? <laughs> And just say, Daddy, can I have this? Can I have that? You sure can. You sure can, buddy. You sure can, honey. They're looking at Natalie because she's an expert. Um, but I tell you, it, it, it's true. But, but, that, but that's kind of what God's saying. You know what? God, God, how much does God love you? I'm talking to you now. Yeah, He knows you. I love Psalm 139. You know what he says? He, he sees your thought afar off. He sees your thought afar off. Let me ask you something. What's, what's going through your mind this Sunday already? I wonder if we could take every thought that's been thunk in this church today, and I did say that, and, and just pull this screen down and put it up. Ralph, 
There's Ralph's thought. There's DJ's. You know, I mean, and there's Mark's, and we just started putting them up there. And they, we, we might just think, wow, that's profound. Or we might be thinking, you know, uh, uh, something totally... <laughs> yeah. But my point is, have you ever had things that cross your mind even sitting in church? You're like, whoo, where'd that come from? Yes. See, he sees our thoughts afar off. Think about some of the things you've thought about God even. <coughs> think about some of our thoughts we've had toward God that are negative. And maybe you don't have them, and I hope you don't. But some of us have. God, I don't get what you're doing here. Why are you doing it? I mean, you know. And, uh, but you know what? God, see, God knows that, all, that, all that. The Bible says He knows your uprising. He knows your downsitting. He sees your thought. Of, he knows every last thing about you. He knows you upwards and backwards and uh, back and forth and every other which way He can know you. And guess what? He's still crazy about you. And the love that I have for my kids, and it's not just Natalie, it's every one of them. That love that I have toward them, I mean, to what magnitude? That love that you have toward your grandchild, your great-grandchild, I mean, you, that, you, you can't even put a, a number on what you'd have to multiply that by to get the way God loves you. Abba, Father. That's why we have this power. And, 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 and i, and I got to close with this because I feel like I'm guilty of this sometimes about, about not bringing a thought home. Why does God give us this power in our lives? Well, He wants us to be victorious, but did you know that one of the greatest reasons He empowers us is for others? Is for others. I, I want to close by looking at chapter 9 and verse number 1. The Bible says, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have a great, listen to this, I have a great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ, that my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, and he goes on, he's saying, I, I, I would be accursed. I've got a burden. Paul says something here I don't think I, I don't know if I could ever say. I don't know if I ever want to say. But he says, I would be accursed. I would be damned if it meant the nation of Israel being saved, coming to Christ. But my point is this. The purpose for the power, Romans chapter, or I'm sorry, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And it's not just about us, is it? And you shall be witnesses. He wants us to become victorious so that we can become somebody else's hero. Amen. You know what I think the theme of our lives ought to be and the church ought to be? We find it in the book of Jude where the Bible says, and, and some have compassion, making a difference. And others save with fear, pulling them from the fire. But that making a difference. God wants you to make a difference. But how can you make a difference when you're overwhelmed? Amen. How can you make a difference when you are a wreck? How can you make a difference when you are so wore out from trying to do it in your own energy and your own power? How can you make a difference? God gives us this victory because He wants us to be a hero in somebody else's life. He wants us to reach somebody. He wants us to teach somebody. He wants us to make a difference in some family, in some life. He wants us to make a difference in our communities. He wants us to make a difference in our own families. That's why He does this, because just like what He's done for you, He wants to do it for others. Amen? And so let's all stand, please. And this altar is open. Heavenly Father, as I stand here today, God, help me not to be a castaway, God, after preaching to others. Lord, we do have power for living. 
God, help us to understand, to realize, to know that it is not it is not about our own ability. We are not obligated to the flesh. We're not obligated to sin. We are not obligated to failure. And we need to get that out of our minds. We must get your truth into our minds. We're obligated to victory. We're heirs. We're joint heirs. We have total victory. We just got to access it, Lord. Help us to humble ourselves. Help us, God, to realize that we're letting the devil, we're letting our own wills, we can blame it on the devil, but we're making the decision to give up our authority instead of being conquerors. Make a difference in somebody's life today, Lord. If there's somebody here today that's not been saved, they've never experienced the transforming power of the Holy Spirit of God in salvation, Lord, help them to humble themselves now and be saved. But I dare say there are some that are saved here today, Lord. Each one that's saved has the Holy Spirit of God indwelling them. But there's no doubt people here today that are indwelt by the Spirit, but they have never been filled with the Spirit. Which is to say, they've never allowed you to control them. They've never just totally surrendered. They've never presented their bodies a living sacrifice wholly acceptable unto God, performing their reasonable service. Lord, I pray that there'll be somebody right now that understands that the reason they've been going through so much difficulty and suffering, so many obstacles, it's the world's way, it's the devil's way, it's sin's way of trying to keep them from this victory. But Lord, You allow it because we can recognize our weakness in that. And God, that same person, God, can turn to You for dependence and realize, wait a second, I'm facing all this opposition because God's really wanting to do something for me. God's wanting to bless me. And I'm going against opposition. I'm going against obstacles. I'm going against giants. I'm going against walled cities. That's why there's this difficulty. That's why there's these challenges. And God, I pray You'll help that person right now to say, Lord, I'm not up for those challenges in and of myself. But Lord, I have the power in You. With Your help, God, I will overcome these challenges. You will bring down these giants. You will bring down these walls, Lord. Help us there, Lord, I pray. Thank You, thank You for loving me, Lord. I dare say there's not too many of us in here today that people would care much for if they knew us like you knew us. But Lord, you know me better than anybody and God, you still love me so much with an everlasting love. Thank you for that. Encourage the hearts of your people. Change somebody's life today. I ask you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.